0: Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. Joining me is someone who I've got mutual friends with, but we uh, we don't know each other that well. And I'm fascinated by the business that he is in. His name is Eli Harris. He is the founder of Zero Systems. They offer sustainable ho- hospital-grade disin- disinfection systems. Basically, dude, you're in a kind of space that I never would have thought to get into. Um, it's these... Pieces of equipment that you could put into a hospital, you could put into your um, uh, school, you can put into your office if people are coming back in and you want to keep it clean so that maybe you don't you don't encourage the spread of COVID. But also there are other we keep forgetting there are other reasons why people get sick. And if you could stop that, then more people can work and be happy. And anyway, that's what um, Eli's business does. And. I'm, I just wouldn't have thought that you could get a business up and running this quickly after COVID, but you did. I wouldn't have thought that a hardware business would be easy in this space to get up and running. And I don't think it is easy, but you were able to do it. And to have a freaking smile on your face as we're talking about instead of going, Andrew, I'm freaking out of my mind, exhausted from this. Um, but I'm glad to have you on here to talk about how you did. do well, th-
1: those are not mutually exclusive I am absolutely out of my mind exhausted but I also am just firing with adrenaline and I'm, I'm proud of what we're doing and, and we're on a pretty special trajectory. What's the revenue right now. Uh, th- right now we've done almost 50 million dollars in bookings and about 14 months on the market.
0: Fifty yeah. million dollars. What's the price of one of these systems.
1: Uh, so the, the flagship product that we've been selling is uh, retails about 28 grand. We're often flexible uh, with volume and depending on the pricing. Uh, uh,
0: what is that product?
1: Uh, so that is a UVC disinfection tower. It's similar to what mm-hmm. they use in hospitals. Uh, what we actually learned is that these systems are actually extraordinarily old technology. Uh, it is not rocket science. We've been using UVC since 1903 in uh, wastewater since 1910, age back to the 20s, hospitals since the 40s. And the pricing is a function of our broken healthcare system and has nothing to do with technology.
0: Let me see. So this is the little bit that I know about it. First of all, I didn't know there was a UVC. I thought it was just UV lighting. You put this light up and apparently the light kills, um, kills what? Viruses, bacteria? What does it kill? There
1: is no known microorganism on the planet that is UVC resistant. It can penetrate the cell walls of any bacteria, virus, mold, fungi. It ruptures the DNA or RNA so that it can't reproduce. Uh, what's interesting: the sun produces UV A, B, and C. UV A and B do penetrate the Earth's atmosphere. UVC does not, so nothing has ever evolved to resist that energy wavelength.
0: Got it. And, and am I right to say that if I have an office and I just turn this light on, that I'm I'm doing my part to kill bacteria to kill viruses?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's always a layered approach. Uh, there is no silver bullet. Uh, But this technology uh, has been employed in hospitals for 80 years for a reason. It's because hospitals that employ this technology in operating rooms have 93% fewer incidences of hospital-acquired infections than hospitals that don't. Uh, So there is an overwhelming body of clinical data uh, demonstrating the efficacy.
0: Okay. We're going to find out how you did this, I should say, thanks to two sponsors. The first, if you're paying your people, you need to know about Gusto. Dude, I'm in love. Can I French kiss a freaking software app? I think I would think say yes. I, yes, I would. Gusto is that good. Go check him out at gusto.com slash mixergy. And the second, I wouldn't French kiss this company. I would French kiss the founder. No, this is like, why am I getting into this? I would just say I really like uh the founder of lemon.io. The guy's fun. He's got a great work ethic and he's got great developers. If you're hiring developers, go to lemon.io slash mixergy. I take back the whole French thing. I think it's not right. Um, I'll stay more professional as we continue. But Am I right when you're saying booking, that basically you've sold these devices, but you haven't yet shipped them? You're still building them?
1: Uh, No. So uh, booking is our total contract value. We're often leasing the systems over multiple years, uh, or it's it's really a subscription. Um,
0: Got it. Okay. And so your realization was COVID hit. You said, what do we do to eliminate this on surfaces in the air? UV is one thing to do. And how much does it cost to- It's a
1: bit more of a journey, right? Yeah, walk me through it. So- uh, just a, a quick personal background, just give some context, and then we can dive into this maybe after I introduce, uh, what we're doing now. But, um, I spent my last 10 years really in mainland China, uh, started out flirting with foreign service, uh, did a couple Fulbright scholarships, uh, a chance meeting in a hotel. I, I stumbled into thermal imaging, uh, did some work for FLIR. And then that led me to DJI the drone company. Uh, and then in 2016, I spun out of that to start my first business manufacturing high capacity batteries. Uh, I was fortunate and uh, had uh, it, 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 a nice exit in 2019. Not what I fantasized. You, wait, I, uh,
0: yeah, we're going to really call it a nice exit? It feels uh, like it was a painful exit. It was ed- a very
1: painful exit. Um, I'm going to see if I could push you yeah, on it later yeah, on. Okay, yeah. But
0: these are these are beautiful battery yeah. packs, which, by the way, right now in Austin, because of what happened in 2021 and yep. people's electricity going out and all that, people are going gaga for this stuff. Every house seems to have one. Um, and so you realized this ahead of time. And you said people should just have these extra, what, are they generators or not generators because they don't work on gas, right? What, what do they call it? Uh,
1: uh, the, 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 it's battery energy storage, uh, high capacity battery lithium-ion storage. batteries. Yep. Uh, so I, I used, it was, as you said, a very painful exit. And we can dive into that later. But uh, I, I did have uh, an event uh, and the, the company's okay. actually now valued over a billion dollars uh, and they're doing 200 million in revenue. Uh, unfortunately, You're I'm not, not sharing there. in that. And but, these
0: things are beautiful. All right. but and yeah. then So then you so, had, what was the realization that led you to get to UVC lighting yes. and then to all this other equipment? Yep.
1: So I came back to the States in 2019, uh, was doing a little bit of consulting work and unmanned vehicles. Uh, the pandemic happened uh, that altered my life greatly. Uh, I got in touch okay. with two other uh, peer uh, entrepreneurial role models. And the three of us just started talking about the social and economic devastation. Uh, and we started likening what was happening in the pandemic to nine 11, uh, that we, we saw some parallels, how there's just certain events throughout history that just create these everlasting societal and infrastructural changes. And after nine 11, I mean, you have TSA with 14,000 employees. You still can't take a water bottle through the airport. You go to a sports game. You walk through a metal detector. These are just new standards that evolved, uh, and a lot of new technology that was evolved, uh, in the wake of, uh this event and how we think about right. public safety.
0: And even on a, on a smaller level, you, you walk into even a small office building, even like a little WeWork, they make sure you sign in. They want to know who's coming in, where before 9-11, watching to that degree was not that big of a deal. And so yeah. you said, all right, so what else is going to change now because of COVID yeah. and change forever?
1: And I think the word public safety is, is now kind of broadening to biosafety and how we interact with human health in all shared spaces. And I think that's a, a fundamental shift in uh, in culture and infrastructure that's gonna stick. We started looking at the, the disinfection market as a whole, our response to the pandemic was to go pick up backpack sprayers and just hose buildings down with chemicals, uh, and our chemical consumption in the last few years has just been, uh, absolutely horrifying. Uh, and it's pro- it's problematic for a few reasons. I mean, one is chemicals are awful for the environment. They're dangerous for the applicator. They largely only address surfaces, uh, and that's often bacterial risk on surfaces, but they don't that well address airborne risk of, of viral pathogens. And then the, the other okay, thing so is- So you
0: were looking at it and you said, I'm seeing all this. And I saw it too, right? You'd see Airbnb hosts would suddenly show how they're spraying everything down in their house, right? You'd see streets, yeah. I think it was Mission Street that had people just spray chemicals on the sidewalks for a while in San Francisco. And you said- that's not going yeah. to be the answer that we believe yeah, it's in. Yeah, there's also
1: a ton of human error. It's often our lowest paid staff, incredibly high churn, and there's no compliance. You still have people signing a checklist. So I mean, th- this is extremely problematic. And then we started looking at this industry. It's literally hundreds of billions of dollars of market cap. And then it's dominated okay. by SC Johnson, Clorox, P&G, Kimberly-Clark, Reckitt And they're all pushing the same commodity chemicals uh they're, they're, it's 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 commodity we're using the same chemicals we've been using bleach for almost 100 years our response to the spanish flu in the early 1900s is the same response we
0: employed 100 years later in 2020 uh okay and you said that's not your answer yeah um, what, what? How did you end up with this hardware product and not like a marketplace yep. where anyone can go and buy and sell this stuff or something else? Yeah. So,
1: I mean, initially we thought we were actually going to build a marketplace. That, that was the initial idea. We thought, you know what? We can offer this differentiated service and do this kind of on-demand Uber-esque, press a button, sign up for subscription. And once a week, once a month, we'll send in a hospital grade crew and do this hospital grade cleaning. So th- Ooh, th- that, that's okay. what our initial thought was. And then, we started researching the market and we started learning that the gold standard in all hospitals is the use of these UBC light towers for 80 years. How
0: did you notice that?
1: So you roundabout way, one of my co-founders, Grant, uh, one of his college friends' father is a gentleman named Dr. Richard Wade, And we heard we okay. heard about, uh, oh, he was vaguely involved in this space. We got in touch with Dr. Richard Wade. Uh, turns out he is one of the global world-renowned experts in this space. He's on the National okay. Academy of Science. He taught at Harvard, Oxford, UC Irvine. He was the former executive director of OSHA. Uh, he is uh, the Michael Jordan uh, of disinfection. He wrote the protocols okay. to disinfect the Diamond Princess cruise ship. So we, we roundabout, total pure fate coincidence. We got in touch with him. We brought him on as our chief scientist, and he led us on this study to really understand what are the best tools and technologies that do exist today for infection prevention and we landed on UVC Uh, and and that was the answer. But what's, what's really unfortunate is that, like I said, this is extremely old technology. There is an overwhelming body of evidence showing that hospitals that use UVC light have 93% fewer infections than hospitals that don't, but they price these systems for over a hundred thousand dollars because the manufacturers value price the systems based on the cost of a hospital acquired infection. Because Medicare and Medicaid do not reimburse hospitals for hospital-acquired infections. They don't insure them. So if you go okay. to a hospital for a small surgery and you leave with something else, that's a $40,000 okay. incident for the hospital that's not insured. So be- and the
0: hospital has to pay for this. Yes. Oh, so, okay. All right. And so the manufacturers say, hey, hospital, how about if we could avoid two and a half infections you break even on buying one of these lights, buy one of these lights, and, and there hasn't and been a, a market. It's a logical
1: in- purchase. Uh, it, even at that price point, it's a very logical purchase for the hospital. Uh
0: but Eli, there hasn't been a market where someone goes to China and does it cheaper and hospitals just look online or go to Alibaba and buy it? No? Nobody's
1: ever cared. And selling it to hospitals is, is difficult, especially the US healthcare system and and to go through the regulatory and compliance hurdles and uh and
0: to, to be established and build that channel. I mean it it's um okay. So you realize that, and you go, "Wait, I'm well, the guy who's been to China. I think I could make it cheaper." Am I yeah, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it, well. First, when we when we found that out, we're like, "Well, this business is dead in the water. We can't acquire enough systems to offer this platform and and offer this service." So, oh, so that's when we that's right. when our that's when we pivoted and said, "You know what? We can build this. This is not rocket science. It is not sophisticated technology. We've been using the same type of system. It's it's not complicated. The hardware, the ability for UVC to kill anything." It's just the amount of light that you output and how long you
0: expose the pathogen. So so that was you know, our – Everything I know about you is you're the guy who's like tons of – you're throwing a lot of awe at the people that you're partnering up with, the people in your life. But let's like spend a, to- a little bit of time talking about like why your background allowed you to be in with these two cr- great co-founders who I hope we we'll spend some time talking about and build this. It's because you ended up in China – For some random thing, did you just want to work in diplomacy and say, if I'm going to work in diplomacy, China's going to be big. Let's see if I can learn. Talk to me about how you ended up in China.
1: Yeah. um, So I I do want to do that. I also want to share a little bit more about how our visions evolved. Uh, I I guess, would you like me to backtrack first and, and answer your China question? Let's just spend a little bit of time yes. about China awesome. just
0: yep. to, to, to get your background. Yes, um, and then we'll come back
1: to this. Yeah, so I, I had a pretty unconventional uh, upbringing. Uh, my, my parents are, are, are pretty radical, and, and, I, and I, I do admire them uh, greatly. Uh, independently, my, my dad went when he was uh, 21 to Kenya, spent 16 years in Kenya, uh, and, and he, he's an entrepreneur. He, he's now 74. His claim to fame is that he has never in his life been employed. Uh, he's just hustled his ass off. And he's done all kinds he like of ventures. Vending machines. I as a kid kinds of, stuff. of having yeah. vending machines. Yeah.
0: Didn't Warren Buffett have vending yeah. machines? Was it fun to own them as a, to see your dad own them as a kid? Oh, we,
1: yeah. We had all kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, v- vending machines, uh, carnival systems. Uh, we, we had all kinds of us. He was doing public showers, uh, public storage. Uh,
0: he had public showers where people would pay a few he, he was like, one of the first. He was one of the
1: first people to put, uh, I think he was the first in California to put coin operated showers on beaches. Uh, and he would have he would go around and pick up the quarters and, and have other people do that. Uh, but okay, uh, yeah, he, he just he just hustled and he was in Africa for many years and did wildlife filming and produce and coffee and shipping live crayfish and doing all kinds of stuff. And
0: was like, it like was it fun adventures? Because it doesn't seem like it was about the money. He didn't have a ton of money at the end, right? Yeah, it, I,
1: I think it's just a, a little bit of pride and, and just a, a more interesting life, a, a much more interesting life. Um, my mom, she, similarly, she spent more than a decade in India uh, she's more of a little hippie girl playing music and dancing and uh, doing pottery and living in a commune
0: and traveling the world. But She also started a flight instruction business, which like, if you're yeah. talking about hippie and, and like flighty, she's also very serious. Well, she, she
1: came back to the States when she was 30. She worked as a temp, put herself through flight school, and then now she's been a flight instructor for 30 years and has her own business. Yeah. Um where do they live? Uh so they they both still have a foot in Santa Barbara, uh both have new partners and in, in, in new lives. Uh but uh they, they both have a foot in Santa Barbara, California, which is not a bad place to love yeah. to come home with yeah. you to dinner one yeah. time.
0: I, I was hoping you would say it, it's a place where I was and I would invite myself over, which is a new thing I'm doing since I'm in a new city. I've learned to invite myself over to people's Yeah, cities. I thought maybe I invite myself to you <laughs> like
1: But they uh yeah, they they definitely inspired me that uh they kind of challenged my ideas of normal uh in that in uh, yeah. that uh, are a lot of our, my peers' ideas of normal in, in the U.S. I mean, it's just, it is totally made up. There are many different ways to live your life. Uh, they, they kind of inspired me to have this global existence. Uh, we grew up on a shared property with uh, people from eight different countries and uh, it was uh, very eye-opening. And, and, I, and I always uh, aspired to blaze my own similarly unconventional global trail. Um, I was a little bit more uh, conventionally ambitious and uh, invested in, in my academics and, uh, and, um, yeah, I, for a while, I fantasized maybe public service or foreign service would be an interesting life. Uh, I showed up at college. I, I wanted to learn new languages. I, I spoke Spanish fluently growing up. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe I'll learn Chinese, maybe Arabic. I knew they were globally relevant. I had no idea. I, I was not educated whatsoever on cl- cultural, political, historical, economic, uh, backgrounds. I shadowed a few classes uh, I liked the Chinese professor. I stumbled into it. Uh, I, and I started learning Chinese in college. Uh, it was extremely difficult. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to commit this much time to actually learning the language, I want to make sure I actually like being in China. One thing I realized is in college in the U S where I think we're fortunate. There are a lot of opportunities to obtain free money. Uh, okay. so I, I, I found my way, uh, I ended up finding my way every single summer and a semester while I was at college getting, uh, scholarships to go for free to China and do various programs. Um, and I, uh, was it fun? I honestly, I feel like people always expect some nuanced answer about how I fell in love with, uh, or got wildly passionate about some, uh, cultural phenomena or some, uh, economic person. person, but yeah, I just, the truth is I was just having fun. I was just having a blast. I was learning Chinese. I was pretty good at it. Everyone kept telling me how special I was, and I, I loved that attention. And it was a positive reinforcement cycle. And I was just having because you were
0: so uniquely un-Chinese.
1: Yeah, and I was and I was willing to put myself out there and just dive mm-hmm. into it. And then doors just kept opening, and I kept finding myself in just totally wild, unique situations. Like what? And I, and I, just, I also was able to just command authority, respect uh, that I couldn't command at my age in the U.S. Mm. Uh, just because I was different, um, and, and whether that was hitchhiking around Southern China or whether that was ending up working for FLIR, the largest thermal imaging company in the world or joining DJI, the largest drone company in the world without any real experience whatsoever. Uh, and they just, I, I just felt like doors were opening, um, Okay. DJI, such like amazing products. Yep. When so, I joined DJI, there were 3000 employees. There was less than a dozen wow. non-Chinese employees in Shenzhen. Uh, and I got to help found uh, the entire uh, enterprise drone division. Um, so drones in public safety, agriculture, construction. A year and a half, they sent me to 16 countries meeting with execs, like wow. literally sea level execs of Fortune 100 companies. And I was 23 wow. years old and showed up and said, hey, I represent DJI. Like you're working with me now. Uh, and, and that was I and I I got such a thrill uh from from that experience uh and, and such incredible exposure.
0: So you know what one of the things that I'm assuming is that because you had that experience, that you were able to understand how to manufacture the products that R Zero is is creating today, but it doesn't seem like it based on the look you just gave me when I suggested that.
1: Oh, I learned a heck of a lot of manufacturing. You that did. I mean that was more in my second venture. Uh that, that was when I started okay. or when I started my first venture, of my own. Uh, manufacturing batteries. I mean, I for four years. I, I mean, I lived and breathed every part of that. I've spent months, literally months, inside factories, uh, sleep, oh, sleeping on so factory floors. So you had the floors. whole experience of being yeah.
0: China, of being in a, in China, working for a Chinese country, company with a Chinese product that they're making, and then you say, "I have this idea. I'm going to create my own battery that will be a backup system for people." and then you were able to learn how to manufacture and build on what you knew before. And that was EcoFlow. How'd you came, come up with the idea for EcoFlow? How'd you know that that was needed? Yeah, so This battery company. That so it, it,
1: it, it really evolved out of DJI. I mean, if you think about uh, battery life of drones today, drones are such powerful tools. Battery life has been limited. Uh, if you're a hobbyist flying a drone on the beach taking selfies, I mean, 20 minutes is great. If you're using drones for enterprise practices, if you're looking for a missing person, if you're mapping a massive oil pipeline, uh, if you're uh, doing CAD modeling for construction, I mean, you need to keep a drone in the air a lot longer. So battery was a huge limiting factor. So I started working really closely with the battery engineers at DJI. uh, And and we started kind of conceptualizing what it would look like to create a drone recharging hub uh, to actually recharge drone batteries in the field. Then we started thinking about, you know what, this can actually be product agnostic, it doesn't need to be limited to drones. And we also started learning about how massive that market is for battery energy storage. Uh, Even just the portable Honda generators, Honda does over a billion dollars a year in revenue just from their Honda 2000 portable generator line. And what's crazy is the the whole world is moving electric, Uh, everything from, from grid storage to vehicles, But for some reason, uh, we're still using hand crank gas generators, which are bad for the environment. You can't run them indoors. They require gas. They're really loud. They're really noisy. You can't transport them. No one likes them. Uh, and and what's interesting is building batteries is difficult and the players that have the technology, uh, and the, uh, manufacturing capabilities to actually build large, sophisticated safe energy storage battery systems, it's so much more lucrative in a much bigger market to actually attack grid storage and vehicles. So we, we were unique in that we actually had the technology, the sophistication, and then the manufacturing prowess to build these complex systems. And we were going after a more niche market. And how we did it is we actually raised differently. Instead of going the venture route, When we went out and we raised our pre-seed, our seed in our series A, we exclusively raised from the largest and most sophisticated battery supply chain manufacturers and suppliers, uh, in China. So what we did is by giving them an equity stake and taking their money, we were able to access the tier one battery supply chain, uh, component suppliers, manufacturers, as opposed to working with third tier companies.
0: Okay. And then you made these beautiful, like, they almost look like Bose radios, some of them. They look like nice handheld things that you would bring with you and feel good about having in your living room for, I guess, for battery power. So if the lights went out, you could plug whatever devices you have. I, I think I could even plug a microwave into it. Oh, right? yeah. I
1: mean, it, 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 these, these, are, the, these systems can outcompete the hand crank Honda generators. Anything you can do with a Honda generator, you can do with this battery system. You can recharge it with solar panels it's entirely renewable it's silent you can run it indoors you can take it in the field so i mean battery backup was huge just for power outages and storms but then also there's a big right. market for uh film production out in the field uh there's a big market for uh, just camping and recreational activities tailgating uh but what was interesting I see is that
0: on your old website yeah i was I was, yeah.
1: I, I, I was i ran that company as ceo for four years i put my entire heart and soul into it it was my life 16 hours a day, seven days a week. It was my identity. I I had no separation from it. I mean, I spent months and months and months in factories, living in Shenzhen, living on planes, uh, working my ass off. I, I brought the company to double digit millions in revenue, uh, built the company to over a hundred employees. We built two manufacturing plants of our own. We were kind of subscribing to that Silicon Valley model of raise, spend, raise, spend, raise, spend. And then in 2018, two things happened. One, the capital markets tightened in China. And two, there was the trade war between Chairman Xi and President Trump, and they put new tariffs on our products. So we already were not operating profitably. We were trying to uh, grow at all costs, and then with the capital markets tightening and the new tariffs on our products, our unit economics were tanked. We were gearing up for another fundraise, just as those venture markets collapsed in China, uh, and we hit a, a really rough time, uh, and we. Uh, one thing that I didn't even realize could happen, uh, is the, the board actually, uh, pushed me out of the company. Um, I was the, I was the founder. I was the CEO. I had two partners. I was the best man at one of their weddings. I was the Godfather of the other one's child. I had my full heart and soul in this. And I didn't even realize, I I mean, I was young. I was at, at that point, I was 26 years old and. It was my first venture and it was my whole life. And I spent all my time in engineering this and I, I didn't even realize that was a, a possibility. Um, so it was why hard did they do that? Uh, I mean, so the the, the company was struggling. Uh, we, we thought the answer was to actually develop a more strategic relationship with the government in China. Uh, it is because the, the unit economics and the tariffs and uh, it, it made it difficult and unprofitable for us to keep furthering the US market at that point. And China's government had a lot of green energy initiatives, state-owned enterprises that were interested in this world. Uh, and the the company thought that was a better direction to move. So uh, we had a decision to close all overseas offices, centralize in China, and try to start working uh, with the state-owned enterprises, the military, and, and some of China's green initiatives. Uh, and and okay. with that, uh, two things. One is that having a foreigner as CEO and a large shareholder uh, is not attractive, uh, and two is that did diminish the value I could offer, uh, because there was a deprioritization of the overseas markets. Um, so it was, it was heartbreaking. Um, I was, uh, kind of bullied into a, uh, a, a small liquidity event, which for my age was, was nice nothing to write home about and not be How right much? off a it. couple of million. I, 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 I can't legally uh, share. You can't even yeah. say
0: if you, can you say if you were I, a millionaire? At the I, end I, I
1: can't legally share, but, it, you was, can't even but it, it was, it was very, uh, it, it was not, not at all what not I, the, what I fantasized and, and hoped after all that time, Oof. uh, came back, started okay. seeing a therapist an executive coach, moved back in with my dad, trying to figure life wow. out. Uh, I, I was, I was in a really dark spot. I mean, four and a half years, it was my identity. It was my whole life. I mean, I built that uh, and I was, and I was bullied out and I was scared. And I, I mean, I, I didn't, I, I talked to lawyers in China and Hong Kong and the U S and I mean, I'm, I'm a foreigner and we, we were a Chinese entity and it's, uh, it, and there was a big shift. And at the time the company was struggling and, uh, and what's, what makes it even more painful, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to shift my narrative and find some pride in it is, uh, that company I started and was CEO of and ran for four and a half years and, and built a beautiful foundation. Uh, they're now valued over, over a billion dollars. Uh, they've raised over a hundred million from Sequoia and Hill house. They are profitable. Wow. They're turning 200 million in revenue and they filed the IPO. Uh, so wow. while I don't get to share in any of that success and, uh, my, my, my equity would have been worth, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't get to share in that. I I'm trying to be proud that nobody can really yeah. rewrite that history and take away from me that I started that company and I had that vision. So I, am trying to take pride in that. And the truth is it led me to where I am now. And what I'm doing with R0, I have even greater conviction in. It's a bigger market. I'm working with partners who I deeply admire and respect as people. We're on an even faster trajectory. We did $50 million bookings in less than two years. We've raised even more money in less time. We're raising another $100 million plus series C right now. Um, we I, I guess, it led me to now, I'm, I'm now dating uh, the, the girl that I, that I hope will be my wife. And I, I mean, it, all this stuff only happened uh, because of how uh, that, that journey with EcoFlow uh, progressed. So it, it's, I, I, I'm trying to really feel that uh, everyone always told me, uh, every wise person, all of my mentors, everyone I talk to says, Eli, you're young. It's all about the journey. Look where it led you. Be grateful for that the outcome, the money doesn't matter. And, and logically, objectively, I knew that to be true. I had trouble feeling that. And now for the first time, I'm starting to really feel that. I mean, I, I'm looking at where I am now and I am i couldn't be more excited and I am happier. Uh, and, and I think my, my potential and opportunity is greater and it's because of the tough experience I had.
0: All right. I should say this interview is sponsored by Lemon. If you need to hire developers, go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. They've got phenomenal developers, often in Eastern Europe, really well-qualified people who are definitely going to cost you less than comparable developers from other places. I'm not going to tell you actually to go hire from them. I'm going to tell you to go consider them. And the first step is to go to lemon.io slash Mixergy, set up a call with one of their people or just a chat with them and see what they have to offer. If you like, hire the developer. If you don't, move on. I think you're gonna like them. And I know you will like the fact that they're gonna give you a discount if you use my URL. Go to lemon.io slash mixergy. Get that discount. Get connected through through me. They'll take great care of you. And again, if you're not happy, just move on. But be aware that this is where so many of your develop so many of your entrepreneur friends now are hiring. Look them up. You'll see lemon.io slash mixergy. All right. So, Eli, that brings us back to now you've got this background that puts you in a good position to take advantage of the opportunity that you saw, which is, can we create these devices for less than anyone else? The answer is yes. You now have a, th- a pair of uh, a, you have three founders with you. You're going to continue telling us a story before I brought us back to the past.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to reframe the opportunity we're going after now, which is just gargantuan. Uh, so we, we learned that we could build systems that are, that outperform the hospital systems for a fraction of the cost. Uh, And then we started looking at how do we actually disinfect today and and how do we profile risk and and what does that really mean for different organizations? So all of disinfection today is largely chemical based. There's no compliance, a lot of human error. It largely addresses surfaces. It's largely done on a time schedule and not based on risk. So, I mean, you send somebody in every night or every week. And it doesn't matter if three people used a space or 30 people used that bathroom. Uh, It also doesn't matter if one room was never used, you still send somebody in there. So what we did is uh, in the past two years, I mean, we've raised almost $100 million. Our largest backers are Mayo Clinic and DBL, which is the fund of Tesla and SpaceX. Uh, John Doerr is also one of our larger investors. Uh, Rob Theus at World Innovation Lab. We've raised some really top-notch money. uh, And we've also acquired three companies already. Uh, which is pretty phenomenal for a company less than two years old. Not to mention we've driven $50 million in bookings in our flagship product. But what we're doing now is we're actually investing a lot in data science, machine learning, and AI. And we've built this really sophisticated risk model. So we can actually walk in to any physical space, whether you're a school, an office, a jail, a professional sports facility, a restaurant, hotel, and we can actually look at your specific physical infrastructure? What are your floor plans? How many cubic feet of air? What kind of HVAC mechanical are you using? What kind of Mrrh filters? What's your climate? How are your buildings actually utilized? How many transient occupants per hour? How many stationary occupants are they exercising? Are they breathing heavily? or are they are they pretty Wait, mellow?
0: Be- because you have hardware that measures all this and and software that uses the floor plans and yep. everything else that you just mentioned. And a combination of your hardware that analyzes yeah. the data that you get from then, the location. Well, and uh-huh. then we
1: can actually look at any pathogen. All pathogens are transmitted by various vectors that have different coefficients
0: of uh, of transmissibility. So we can actually look. What does that mean? Give me, give me a, a practical so example. You can, I, how are you measuring pathogens and of
1: I'm, I'm, I'm going to make up the numbers here just, just for yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. ease of, of comprehension. So, so say uh, the seasonal flu has a, uh, an R, it's called an R, an R coefficient of one. Okay. So on average, okay. one person will give that to one other person. And it's largely transmitted okay. by air. Uh, COVID has an R of 11. So one person on average will give it to 11 others. We know the vectors are okay. transmitted by surface, by air. Okay. And just to remind so, people, this is just made up yes, numbers yes, to help yes, understand yes, the yes. concept. Yep, so okay. we, we can look at the vectors and statistical probability of transmission of different virus, bacteria, infection. And we can also model that out, okay, based on how your spaces are utilized, if one sick person enters, if three sick people enter. So we can actually create specific, scientifically accurate statistical risk profiles for any space, showing based on their spaces, their infrastructure, how they're utilized and run hypothetical scenarios to show their risk and liability uh, based on uh, different events. And then because we use use light, everything we do is light-based. And the future is all fixtures. So we're getting away from mobile units. It's installed assets on your wall, on your ceiling. It's fixtures. We also tie that into building occupancy. We throw in sensors Uh that actually measure and look how people use spaces. And based on how spaces are utilized, we can automate the disinfection of these spaces in
0: occupied spaces with light. And because light is- Meaning I have a big meeting, as more people come in, maybe more light goes on? Yes. And we can control the
1: power of that light output. We can turn, we have some systems that are for occupied spaces, some systems that are for unoccupied spaces. So we have occupancy sensors, reverse occupancy sensors. We can control power. But light is easy to model, and it's extraordinarily well-established exactly how much light it takes to inactivate any
0: kind of pathogen. So we can create— And this is all you—but re- here's the thing that I wonder, Eli. You mentioned how hospitals, it's a no-brainer for them to buy this because yes. they know what their expense are, what their expense is if they don't have yes. it, right? When you talk about even a WeWork— What does a WeWork care? If you talk about a school, what do they care? What's their expense? If my kid gets sick and five other kids get sick, who cares? They have fewer kids for a week. They don't have any expenses. There's a lot of reason to care. It might be a financial boon. Why?
1: So uh, just to close the loop on that risk modeling, so we can create these profiles, we can model in light and we can show different scenarios of different combinations of our products and different installation configurations. And we can show how we reduce that risk statistically. If we can statistically lower infection risk, statistically lower the probability of transmission, that will result in fewer transmission. And what that means for different organizations, there is a massive economic impact that we're uncovering. So schools are ADA funded. They're funded based on average daily attendance. That is how they make money from the state. They're funded based on attendance. They're also funded based on test scores. The highest uh, the highest influencing factor of in test scores is teachers and students being in the classroom. If we can offer solutions that statistically result in fewer infection, that will result in higher student and teacher attendance, which is how schools are funded. Okay. And that's also how they deliver higher okay. test scores. And we're starting to do predictive modeling as we get data back. And we're getting smarter and smarter on showing how different statistical reductions in risk actually translate to attendance and performance. And we're we're able to predict those outcomes, and then as we collect more and more data, we're getting smarter on that. So we walk in. Schools aren't even buying disinfection. What they're actually buying is higher attendance and performance. For a large corporations in the U.S., any company more than twenty three hundred employees, they're all self insured. If we can statistically lower infection risk and reduce infections, they're paying every time somebody goes to the doctor or hospital. If we can lower those health related costs. If we can also keep people in the office, that's a productivity gain. If you're a call center, you make money based on the amount of people you have in the office dialing. If you're, it, it, there, there's so many billable industries. I mean, if we can keep people in the office, there's a productivity gain. We're also saving them in healthcare-related costs. So every industry okay, has a parallel.
0: That I had no idea. Okay. So now, so, up until now, when you made your first sales, who did you make them to when you didn't have all of this data? Yep. So uh, really, quickly, just just to
1: close the loop on that, we're no longer actually selling the product. When, when I go in, I don't sell the product at all. What I do is I sell a statistical risk profile and predictive financial outcomes based on their industry. Uh, and
0: that is a very different, that, that, that's. It, it, and can you actually show that? So I understand yes. that the three of you co-founders each have your roles, your role was sales. If you're in, right? Um uh, S- sales in the broadest sense of the word. I, I've never worked
1: in sales in my life, but I, I enjoy evangelizing and telling our story. So whether that's selling, sales to- and
0: marketing, you're you're the person who's thinking through what do we say to the to the customer who we walk into, and we try to s- not sell the product, but sell the, the sell the uh, the solution. Yes. meaning fewer people out yep. sick. Am I right? Okay, but how could you do that? Envi- can you take me through maybe one customer without saying their name to help me understand how you could do that in the beginning? when you weren't sure what the results were yet when frankly nobody knew who was going to be in yeah, the office I mean, th- and who I wasn't. mean
1: there's still a leap of faith right so i mean building a clinical body of evidence with scientific and statistical power takes time i mean we work closely with the harvard chan school of public health and the mayo clinic and we're currently engaged in clinical studies in uh, dentist's office and schools and hospitals and corporate offices and, and and these are studies that are going to go to ethical review boards and the irb and and these will take years to be published, but they'll be published in scientific journals. So, and once we have that, that's, uh, I mean, we, we, need to build that clinical body of evidence over time, uh, that, that actually, uh, are, are, uh, stand up to academic scrutiny. Uh, in the meantime, we, we are collecting our own data. And as the data comes back favorably, we're screaming it from the rooftops. Uh, but that but okay, that said give me an example but that, of the
0: first customer that you sold, Yeah, to? But that, that's one of the that, first... that said,
1: we're still uh we're still getting people to take a leap of faith based on the science. The science says it works. The models say it works. This has never been done before. We're starting to collect that feedback and that data and we're starting to prove out okay. what we want. So Clark County School District in Las Vegas, Nevada, Okay, it's the fifth largest school district uh, in the country. They have more than four hundred thousand okay. students and staff. Uh, which is insane. 374 schools. Uh, We actually outfitted uh, a a handful of schools uh, with the entirety of our solution. uh, And we're actually running a crossover study uh, or we're not doing it. Uh, We we provided the product, Clark County, the schools, uh, and then a a gentleman from the Harvard Chancellor of Public Health designed the study. And we're actually looking at the impact of our systems on student attendance. And we're doing things like measuring wastewater to actually get accurate about what kind of pathogen is present because wastewater testing is much more accurate than attendance data uh, or, or or calling in sick. Um, so I mean, it, we're, we're, we're able to really get smart on this uh, and we're trying to prove that the modeling we're doing uh, is actually resulting in differentiated health and financial outcomes. And if we can do that, and right now, I mean, it is a leap of faith. We are in the process of proving out that the science plays out in the real world. Uh, once we can do that with significance, this is a trillion dollar opportunity. If we can prove that every shared space in the world can actually impact their own bottom line through creating safer spaces, this sells
0: itself. Uh, You're basically saying, like, just like Lysol was able to prove years ago that by spraying disinfectant, you're reducing uh, illness and you're making people feel more comfortable about being in your space. If you could do the same thing, then you could be almost as ubiquitous as as Lysol.
1: Yeah. I think, but also, I mean, even a very small example, and look how big this market is, is the green revolution in energy. Look at the whole industry. Energy is usually less than 5% of an organization's costs. People are regularly spend multi-million dollar projects to retrofit their real estate portfolio uh, and tear out inc- uh, incandescent and put in fluorescence, right? And, and, they, okay. and that, it's common practice now to spend tens of millions of dollars on these projects to install these assets that reduce your energy bill over time. And you sell that ROI. Wait,
0: so is your device up, it's going to be in the lights? in the in the room or i thought it was going to be a new device on the wall
1: uh yeah so i mean uh, initial models yes it is a new device installed on the wall or ceiling it is it is a light future iterations could actually be integrated with your led
0: lights or whatever you have in your in your space got it okay i'm seeing it now it looks like this beautiful by the way everything you do has this beautiful sense of design i feel like when we were talking about your previous company ecoflow There's clearly a taste right from the beginning. Usually I go back to people's websites and the first product is ugly, but damn, it works enough. All early product look beautiful. New product has a sense of style that's connected to the beginning, right? And same thing with r I I, I
1: feel so strongly about the importance of design, uh, industrial design. Uh, We we currently, with R0, the industrial design firm called Bold. Uh, they're fantastic. They did Google Nest, Euro Wi-Fi, the DaVinci Surgical Mm. Robot. My previous company, uh, EcoFlow, we actually raised money from our industrial, one of the biggest industrial design firms in Shenzhen, uh, who really was uh, uh, the the godfather of the entire smartphone revolution and did projects for Xiaomi and Lenovo and Huawei. Uh, So I I feel uh, so, so passionate about the importance of design.
0: Okay. So I see that one of your devices looks like a lamp, like, a it's a, it's a vertical st- set of sticks, right? Can I show you my iPad here? Can you see it? Right. So it's a vertical set of sticks yep, right there. Yep. What am I looking at so here? That is- this, there's this, this office, where's your, your product in there? Um, I guess what I'm saying is, are you starting to make this invisible to the attendee?
1: Yes, to the, the, attendee, the, the, to the, the future. Th- I mean, you're building this into the rails of buildings, and we're also getting involved in new construction projects. So you can actually okay. build these systems into the office, into the building as you construct new solutions. Ah. And when you're talking about these bil- multi-billion dollar capital projects, adding this expense uh-huh. is nominal, especially if you can prove productivity gains.
0: Got it. And so you're now at the point of saying, how do we not wheel this in? How do we embed it into the building itself? We can remove the labor and chemical
1: component of disinfection entirely. Remove labor from the janitorial disinfection industry. There is zero labor. There is no OPEX.
0: Do you have a few more minutes to keep going? I know we, we're kind of running yeah, yeah, late. Are you yeah, good for a there? few more. All right. I, let me take a minute to just say this This interview is also sponsored by Gusto. You've heard me say I'm using Gusto. It is amazing. Eli, just to be able to pay people, it shouldn't be a hassle. I go to Gusto.com. I, I just hit the person I need to pay, whatever contractor. Money goes to them instantly. I get a beautiful screen in response, and they know that money has hit their account, and the whole thing is so elegant that every contractor gets paid, every employee gets paid. If you need someone on the phone, Gusto has it. Payroll and humans, and everything else, and all the benefits handled in one. I, I'm raving about them. I'm not going to say I'm going to French kiss them. I'm going to say I love them, and I think you will too. If you're out there and you want to try them for free right now, they'll let you have a limited time trial at gusto.com Mixergy. Look at their prices. They're super inexpensive, so it's not about money. It's about how good is it. And if you sign up, try paying yourself a dollar. Try going in and just experiencing it. And if you love it and your team loves it, you're going to want to stick with them. Go to gusto.com slash Mixergy. Start this year off right love them all right let's talk about then how do you scale this thing so now you have to scale manufacturing scale sales scale everything how would you do
1: it uh yeah i mean partly by acquisition uh and partly by raising a lot of money <laughs> and a lot of hard work um i mean we we're, we're we're less than 2 years old and uh, we're we're in an extremely competitive uh series c round right now uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting. I, we will have raised, uh, li- likely close to or over $200 million before we're two years old. Uh, and we will have acquired three companies and we're probably about to buy two more. Uh, so it's. What are the acquisitions? Uh, the, the companies that we've bought to date, uh, two of them I can tell you about. Uh, one of them, I, I, I cannot, uh, so one is actually a building occupancy company. Uh, they, they do mm-hmm. really incredible sensor technology. To actually uh, outfit buildings with sensors to look at how spaces are utilized, and then we can use that to better automate our mm. our system using disinfection practices this is co-worker. that is coworker uh, okay. another company we bought is analytics fire uh, we are we are doing so much uh, firmware IOT uh, combined with machine learning and AI. These guys are incredible uh, at embedded systems uh, they they're actually were an outsourced uh, engineering firm, uh, with more than 30 engineers, uh, in given the pace, uh, that we're building, uh, we actually acquired them, uh, and when we absorbed them, uh, so overnight, uh, we got to acquire 30 incredible full-time, uh,
0: engineers. And so when you're acquiring teams, you're adding teams, it feels like you now, as the president of the company, have to do so much management, so much cultural integration. Is it is it important at this stage or are you just growing so fast it's, that people can pick up the vibe? Oh, it's it so especially because we're doing this largely like, remote. So we, we've grown from zero to over
1: 150 employees in 21 months. Okay. We're going to more than double in the next 12 months and we've done this all largely remote, uh, starting from nothing. Uh, so it, it, building that, that culture and collaboration, I mean, it is very difficult. Uh, we, we've overinvested in, in a lot of, uh, tools, uh, to try to help, uh, to try to help with that. So that, I mean, the, the various, uh, collaboration platforms, uh, we also have, uh, I think for a company of our age, we've probably over invested in, in, in GR, uh, sorry, in HR and, in, in GNA and, uh, in, in building those practices and really trying to. What's GNA? Uh, j- just general, general employees, uh, from fi- uh, finance and accounting and administrative and HR. Ah, okay. Um, so we, we've probably, we, we forward invested, uh, in, in HR internal comms uh, and, and tools and IT infrastructure and, uh, but it, it's tough. I mean, we absolutely have growing pains, zero to over 150 in less than two years, fully remote while raising money, acquiring companies. Uh, we, we, we're now launched four products. Uh, it's, it's a lot. Um, what's been the biggest mistake? The, the biggest mistake. That's a good question. Um,
0: Um, or what's been one mistake that you've, that you can think back on? Yeah. I don't, I don't
1: do much thinking back. We're going so fast. <laughs> We're going so fast. I, a, a biggest mistake. I. I I believe so strongly in the installed assets. I I think we maybe should have started with those installed assets.
0: Mm. Um I think the future really is the installed asset. More really, I would have thought that just being able to wheel something in or install afterwards would allow you to have a bigger a bigger customer base. Yeah, but I, I don't no. know. If,
1: I I don't know if I like my answer. I I got to think about that. I want I want to say something thoughtful, and I, I I don't have a thoughtful answer right now. Okay,
0: why why do you think the installed asset is is big at all? Is it because it's such a small cost of a building, and when people are building, they're thinking through the future and willing to invest? in the Th- That's future? a big part of it, and then also just removing the labor component entirely. Uh, it, it's not
1: an added burden on your facilities or custodial staff. It's entirely automated. Uh, there's
0: wait because do, don't and, they and just it's send in for, cleaning it's people It's also for anyway?
1: occupied spaces. Uh, most cleaning disinfection today is for unoccupied spaces. You do it overnight. You do it when people aren't there. When people are in this space, they're they're putting each other at risk. Our fixtures are for occupied spaces. It's for disinfection in
0: real time. The space in wow. between people. Uh, I mean. Are you, wait, so while I'm in the room, the light goes on and keeps the room clean. Yes. Yeah, so the, Someone new comes there's, in. It, there's two
1: technologies. So
0: one is called upper room UVGI. It shines a
1: mm-hmm. beam of, of UVC light across the top of the room, seven to nine feet. And that's for when people mm-hmm. are in the space. So if you and I are in a room together and we're chatting, as I breathe, that air is hot. Natural convective currents bring that air up. It's disinfected. And then that air falls. So it's actually disinfecting okay. in real time when people are in a space across the room. Even if you have HVAC and you're pumping fresh air in or you have filtration, if I'm sick and you're you're in between me and the HVAC system, that air that sick
0: air is passing over you. You are getting sick. So oh, if I, so is it possible then if you're sick, you have the flu, you and I are in the same room, we're talking, or you have cold, the cold, the cold. you have a cold. As we're talking, is it possible that we're in a conference room and I don't catch your cold, I don't catch your exactly, flu?
1: Exactly, because the air in between us is being disinfected mm-hmm. in real time.
0: In real time. and then By the also- time it comes out of your mouth and into my nose, it's disinfected and I could be in a room with someone. So we could do a study where I could go into a room with my brother who has a cold and talk and talk and talk and not get a cold, that not get e- his flu if he has exactly it, That is exactly it.
1: This is the first That's system- it. For real-time disinfection in occupied
0: spaces, unreal. So I don't even have to. I always I felt guilty staying home when I was sick. Now maybe I could work from home, but sometimes you want to come in anyway because you don't care. I can take a pill, deal with the deal with the um uh, the stuffy nose or whatever. But I don't want to get other people infected. I thought maybe now we wear masks in the office. You're saying you don't even need a mask. Put this in. You're not going to catch the other person's cold and. You don't have to tell your people that they should stay home if they're sick. I, I
1: mean, I, theoretically, I, theoretically I, I can't publicly endorse that. We can greatly, greatly, greatly impact that risk. There's also systems that, that are human amazing. safe that uh, actually are a slightly yes. lower wavelength, 222 nanometers, and that can actually shine on people directly. Uh, it is human safe. 30,000 hours of exposure is the same cellular damage as 10 minutes of sunlight. So you can actually shine this in on people in occupied spaces, and it's not the air above us, it is the air in between us as it comes out of my mouth before it gets to yours. So we're we're building systems for occupied spaces that are entirely automated, zero labor, zero chemical. There is no human error. You have audit trails. We can statistically lower risk and actually extrapolate that into health and financial outcomes.
0: All right you said it. I want to leave it there. That is when it hits you, it just hits you. And it's, this is amazing.
1: Thank you. We, we, we are.
0: No wonder you're so freaking happy. We're working hard and and exhausted. We're working hard. All right. Congratulations on the relationship too. And I want to thank you for being on here. Now I understand. I couldn't figure out what the hell is R0. R0 is the spread. Bring it down to zero. R0.com for anyone who wants to go check out the website. And I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen, Gusto. Go to gusto.com slash Mixergy. And Lemon, when you're hiring developers, go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. Eli, congratulations. I'm looking forward to seeing you and one of your parents at least at some point.
1: Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it. We're working hard, and uh, I'll take all the support we can get. Look forward to uh, meeting you in Austin soon. Hell yeah. Bye. Bye, everyone.